As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the final Wizards Talk podcast before the Wizards find out their fate in the NBA draft lottery on May 14th. What's good, everybody? Chris Miller alongside the Intercontinental DraftKings champion. Benjamin Standing. How are you, buddy? Chris, I am uh, living the dream, just helping every day the ping pong balls bounce my way. Well, I mean, listen, the ping pong balls have bestowed good faith upon you the last couple weeks. Let's keep the good times rolling. Let's take your momentum and let's build it towards May 14th. Is that possible? Uh, why not? Let's uh, let, let's be positive. What uh, what, what does that mean? Are we is, is positive is a positive outcome only they get the number one pick? Well, I mean, one, one or two is fine. I'm down with one. I mean, listen, one makes so much sense because we know who it is. Although, you know, Chris Haynes in the previous podcast told me that there might be some teams thinking it might not be a slam dunk with Zion. Your take on that is? I, I would just assume that no owner in the league agrees with that take because Zion is box office gold. If you want to tell me that John Moran is, is a better chance to be a you know eight-time all-star, Sure, I like. I'm not like a million percent convinced that Zion is a a a perennial All Star lock. I mean, clearly the upside is there, but there's a lot of questions. I mean, we joke about the busting out of the shoe. The fact that he's got this insane athleticism could, and and he's got this body that he's got a lot of weight on it already. Who knows? He could like the physics may not be able to fully understand what he's what he can do, and that could lead to injuries. So there's that. And also at 6'6", I mean, even though we're going to small ball era, where does he play? I mean, there are some questions, but I would yeah. I would be stunned if anybody actually didn't pick him first. Uh, coming up on this podcast, we're going to hear from Ian Begley. He is the NBA insider for SNY. He covers the Knicks, the Nets, as well as the league as a whole. That's coming up just a little bit later. But I want to go back to what you said there. Where does he play? He plays on the basketball court. And right. I think that's where this whole positionless thing has now become the rage. Thank the Golden State Warriors for this. Uh, I, I, I don't see him being the primary ball handler, but I do see him bringing the ball up. As you and I saw in college, he could actually bring the ball up and initiate some type of half-court set. I don't see him spending a lot of time at the center position, but he could. Did right? You, the... the uh... Game, I can't lose my track of my days. Game four, Rockets, Warriors. 
Golden uh, Houston was going with a lot of PJ Tucker at the five. Yeah. Uh, just you know, because Golden State doesn't have a, a real center. PJ Tucker, from a body standpoint, uh, is at least sort of in the same range as Zion. Uh, not a center in any traditional sense, but he's got a big body and he was killing on the glass. I think so many times we all think of these things in terms of the 82 game schedule. Where does somebody play? But when you get into the pressure of the playoffs and it really is about just put your five best out there yep that was a template for what you could get out of zion williamson he's got the big body he's got that big backside he you know i'm not saying he could guard joel and bead but he can give you an interior presence without all that size plus he can jump out of the gym so yeah there are definitely ways you can use him and yes you figure it out it's not that it's not it's, it's not something to overthink you get him on the court and you figure it out you know it's interesting watching uh the playoffs and you talk about you know just put your best five out there you know, as I, I was watching the other night, and I'm watching Denver, and I'm seeing, you know, how well Jokic has played, yeah, and how he's almost a point center, and that everyone else around him can work their game. Their game blends with his. It really goes back to talent evaluation. When it's all said and done, and when you're doing your mocks, and then when you're bringing these players in, and you're interviewing them, and you're watching tape. Ben, I still believe at the crux of basketball at its highest level, even maybe even in high school and college, it is about the blend. Is how do we get five people? How do we get 12 people to kind of mesh their game with this one and see how it works? And I think that's why Golden State has kind of set the standard is this is why everyone is trying to catch up to them is I think they just found, like, the perfect blend, and then they inserted a guy in Kevin Durant that can play with anybody because of his unique skill set. And maybe it's just me. I don't know if you think, but I think sometimes it's undervalued actually figuring out how personalities off the court and on the court blend together to make winning teams. Oh, 100%. Everybody focuses too much on stats, the highlight reel. I mostly focus on those other components because – Talent alone does not equal winning. I mean, go back to that Lakers team a few years ago with Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard. Granted, Ed Nash was at the you know at the end of his career, but like everybody thought that was going to be this ginormous success because of all that talent, and it clearly didn't work. Those personalities are a tough bunch to to, to navigate. One thing I uh, somebody told me during the NFL draft process that you mentioned earlier for me. Um, with regards to the New England Patriots, the, the NFL draft, you draft two, over 200 guys get picked, but the New England Patriots apparently on their big board only have like maybe 50, 60 guys total. Each round, they have a few players because they identify this is our system. This is what we are trying to accomplish. These are the types of personalities, attributes that we want. We don't care about what you're, what this overall, what other people may or may not do. These are the guys that we identify and we will pick those players. And if those players are not in the range where we think we'll trade out, now that's different than the NBA. But the point is, that is a, a, a huge component. You've got to find the right guys, not just the best talent, but the right guys who do what you do. The thing with the Wizards right, right now is we don't know anything about what their plan is because the new GM's coming in. John Wall, Bradley Beal. John Wall, we don't know what he's going to be back. Is Bradley Beal definitely staying? We don't know. So that's the thing the Wizards have to figure out. Who are we? What are we doing? And then find the players that fit in, and that is absolutely key. You can look back to a lot of players that they've added over the years. I'm not talking about whether they were a bust. I'm just saying they just it just didn't make sense from a talent standpoint, a personality standpoint, and that's something they've got to correct. Just a reminder, on Tuesday, May 14th, you can watch Wizards on the Clock's Draft Lottery on NBC Sports Washington, or you can stream on our My Teams app. It's starting at 730 
Uh, coverage continues on our My Teams app after 8.30. All right, Ben, stand by. Let's now listen to what Ian Begley had to say. I recently caught up with him. He's the NBA insider for the Knicks and Nets and the NBA for SNY. All right. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Ian, welcome. Appreciate your time here. There's a lot to get to league-wide, but I guess since... You're kind of based in New York. We got to start with the Knicks and the Nets and things that kind of happened last night that actually has an impact on what maybe those two organizations are thinking. Let's start with Kyrie and the Celtics uh, getting embarrassed, really, losing in a gentleman's sweep to Milwaukee. What do you think the impact of that series and just the Celtics as a whole this year will have uh, moving forward with Kyrie? A massive impact for the league because – not even just the New York perspective. When you look at Kyrie Irving and the Celtics, I think the Anthony Davis piece is what interests me most because if the Celtics think Kyrie's coming back, I think that causes them to make an aggressive push to trade for Anthony Davis because the thinking is you have those two guys together in Boston uh, and you're sitting pretty in the Eastern Conference. But if they don't have that commitment from Kyrie Irving, I just wonder if they're, they're as aggressive in their approach with pursuing Anthony Davis. And then if they aren't, that gives other teams the opportunity to make uh, offers and, and put together packages that supersede what the Celtics could have offered there. So just massive implications there. And then you talk about New York specifically. You know, I believe that the Knicks uh, will certainly have an audience with Kyrie Irving. And if he decides to leave Boston, I think he'll strongly consider the Knicks, I think you'll also consider the Nets and the people around the league believe the Lakers will get, get consideration. So the idea that things ended so poorly in Boston, obviously you have to believe at this point Kyrie is more likely to leave than stay, and that just adds another layer to this offseason. Ian, let's uh, hammer down the issues as to why it didn't work in Boston for Kyrie. What was it? Was it just his championship pedigree superseding young players? Was it just, I've heard Moody is kind of some of the words that's kind of summed up how Kyrie is as a player. Emotions are kind of up and down. From your standpoint, bottom line it for me, why did it not work in Boston with Kyrie in the seas? I mean, based on what I saw, and again, I'm a hundred, a few hundred miles or whatever it is away from Boston. So I'm not there every day. But based on what I saw, I think it was a combination of the things that you mentioned, Chris. It was it was the issue of Kyrie, you know, making comments after games that seemed like subtle shots at his teammates. I don't think that was received well. And then the idea with these young guys, you know, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, they all played massive roles in what Boston was able to do last year, make that run deep run into the playoffs. So all those guys are coming back feeling good about those roles that they played. And and then you're coming back with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, and it's a different dynamic for that Boston team. And I have to think that some of those young guys were a little bit resentful, the idea that Gordon Hayward got so many minutes as he tried to get back into form off of that horrific injury that he suffered in his first year in Boston. I think 
those dynamics there really poison the water for the Celtics. And I think that's part of the reason why they are where they are this morning. Well, that's an interesting storyline. As you said, it pertains to kind of like the Knicks, Nets, Cavs, and really any other team in the league that wants to maybe get into that sweepstakes. Uh, I want to go now out West and man, you talk about one play having an impact on not only a series with Houston, maybe winning a championship, but ultimately a decision that's made in July. And that was last night when Kevin Durant came down after hitting a jump shot on the baseline and looked as if he thought maybe someone kicked him. And if if you know anything about injuries like that, it's typically the Achilles. And Ian, I appreciate the fact that the Warriors came out right away and said it wasn't that it ended up being like a calf strain, but uh, did you see it? And in real time, what did you think when you saw that injury? I think you saw worst case scenario with the way that he grabbed it and the, 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 the history of that injury and how we've seen other players react. I mean, just thank goodness for the league and its fans that it wasn't as serious as people feared. Obviously we don't know what this does to golden state in the immediate future with the rest of that series against Houston. It certainly puts them in a difficult spot. It doesn't appear that he's going to be back certainly for that rest of that series. And then, you know, if Golden State ends up losing, he, I, w- I would think that that makes Kevin's decision if he's deciding to leave a little bit easier. I always thought that if, if uh, Kevin Durant had won again with the Warriors and then he was sitting in a room with Steph Curry and free agency and Curry said, hey, Kevin, listen, let's stay until we lose. Just come back for one more year. Let's do it again. Let's see if we can get four. I always thought that that would be a, a, a tough thing to say no to if you're Kevin Durant. But if that's right. not on the table, I think it probably makes it easier for him to exit Golden State. And what do you think about this pairing up stuff about maybe Durant and Kyrie forming a union either in New York or in Brooklyn? I mean, you're there. I mean, listen, Knicks fans, <laughs> I got a couple of friends that are Knicks fans that are long-suffering, and one of them tweeted out last night, this would be so Knicks that if KD would end up having an injury like that right when free agency would hit, but just the notion of maybe pairing those two up in Gotham. Listen, I think people have been excited about that idea for a long time, particularly after the Knicks made the trade of Chris Tapps Porzingis that opened up enough cap space for two max players. That's when the dream started to look a little bit more like a reality. And I think, you know, one of the things that you can say to Kevin Durant for the Knicks is, Hey, listen, we have enough space for you to pick the star you want to play with. If he tells you, hey, I'm coming and I want Kyrie Irving, you go out and you get Kyrie Irving. So that's, that's kind of, to me, where this thing goes from here. I think it's just about getting Kevin, getting him to, to put pen to paper and, and figuring out what he wants, what player he wants to play with, and then making that happen if you're the Knicks. I think that's your best path to ensuring that Durant does sign here this summer. So that kind of leads me into what's going down next Tuesday in Chicago. Will you be there for the draft lottery? I will be there. All right, my man. First round is on me. Uh, I will see you there. I'm curious (laughs) to see how um, the ping pong balls unfold. Let's play a game here, Ian. If the Knicks get the number one pick, does that, you think, change any of the calculation between Irving and Durant, if it's Zion Williamson already in the fold for the Knicks? You know, players, a couple of players have speculated that if the Knicks get the number one pick, it, it, it 
puts Kevin Durant to New York even more in play. It would lead him uh, to New York to an even greater degree than we've already kind of speculated about. And that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Uh, the thing that I wonder about is if the Knicks do get that number one pick, are they enticed by the idea that they could move it to New Orleans in a trade for Anthony Davis? I don't know if they would do it. I've heard that there's been no consensus with regard to their desire to trade their first-round pick, whether it's number one or not, in a Davis package. But I just wonder how much they give that give consideration to that idea because then, you know, if you do have Durant and you do have Irving, you add Anthony Davis to that team and, and you're looking at uh, a finals uh, contender in my mind. So it's just going to be – there's so many different permutations that, yeah, they, they get the number one pick that opens – the door to probably better chances at getting Durant, but also the, the potential to trade for Anthony Davis. We're talking to Ian Begley of SNY. the NBA insider. He covers the Knicks, the Nets, also the league as a whole. Everyone has an opinion on Zion Williamson. Ian, what's yours? Listen, I think the, the way he played in college, the way his, his body is, the athleticism that he showed, I think that he can change a franchise. I mean, I think this, I mean, that's not that's not me going out on a limb. It's just based on what we've seen, what scouts say about Zion, how we think his game can translate to the NBA, particularly the, the defensive end where, you know, as you know, uh, switching on the pick and roll and, and the ability to guard multiple positions is so valuable mm-hmm. in today's NBA on defense. And Zion, with his size, his speed, and his agility, just seems like the perfect player if you're going to switch on pick and roll. So there's so many different ways to use him it it seems like and it seems like he's going to have an immediate impact so uh you know because of that that's why the knicks uh won won 17 games lost 65 games with the idea that they want to put themselves in best position to get the best talent in this draft and that's zion williamson so outside of zion is there a player that you saw this year that intrigues you if you don't get the number one pick uh, a lot of people talked about John Morant, R.J. Barrett, you know, Cam Reddish, uh, Kobe White. There's there's a, there's a nice list there. But outside of Zion, Ian, is there anyone that intrigues you in this draft? Well, John Morant seems like a very exciting prospect. And it seems like, uh, you know, the kind of player that, again, can make a significant impact on the franchise. The thing that I think about, though, when you think about the Knicks and where they might end up on Tuesday, I think it gets a little bit complicated if they fall outside of one. If they're in position to draft John Morant, but you also, if you're the Knicks, think that you're going to sign Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker, a point right, guard, right. you know, do you then trade the pick or do you still draft John, try to figure things out? That just makes, that's just a complicating factor here to me if I'm the Knicks. So, you know, anything outside of number one for New York, you have to kind of think ahead and try to guess at who you're going to get in free agency and kind of plan accordingly. That's a difficult, difficult task. Ian, why is the Nets, from a free agency standpoint, more exciting than maybe potentially going to the Knicks? You know, the Nets have put together a, a great, great infrastructure. You talk about what they have on their roster, the idea that they've already made the playoffs. They've jumped from 20 to 28 wins to a playoff uh, berth this year over the last three seasons. We've got a lot of good young talent on that team. You know, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, we don't know if he's, he'll be here next year or not. Uh, but Spencer Dinwiddie, Paris LeVert, just uh, up and down the roster. There's a lot of uh, exciting young pieces. And then the idea that there's alignment between ownership and 
the management team with Sean Marks and the coaching staff, Kenny Atkinson, that to me is an attractive piece if I'm a free agent. So, you know, I think that Brooklyn is going to surprise people with the impact they make in free agency, whether they land someone or not, just the idea that they will be in the conversation with these top guys and they're going to give these top guys uh, reasons, strong reasons to consider signing there. I think that speaks volumes about where the franchise uh, has come. They've made leaps and bounds over the past few seasons in Brooklyn. All right, Ian, let's go 3,000 miles away and go to the best drama there is in professional sports. That is the Los Angeles Lakers that appear to can't even get the coach down right. They can't even figure out if a three-year deal, giving it to Ty Lue as opposed to five-year offers they've given to other people who have been there before. What is wrong in Lakerland? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it starts at the top. You know, we talk about ownership and management, how important that is uh, for the success of NBA franchises. And, and Jeannie Buss, you know, the report from Adrian Wojnarowski that Kurt Rambis has a powerful voice in that organization and other reports stating that he's been heavily involved in the coaching search. I, I just wonder, like, listen, Kurt, I, I respect him. I thought he did a, 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 a commendable job in a tough position in New York as the interim head coach. But what are his credentials? Uh, with regards to deciding on, on the Lakers' next head coach. And Linda Rambis, his wife, also has a powerful voice in that organization. What are her credentials to, to help uh, the, the biggest, uh, most famous organization in sports arguably make personnel decisions? That's just kind of baffling to me. Uh, if I'm Jeannie Buss, I, I look in the mirror, I say to myself, hey, hiring you know the friends and family of the Lakers hasn't worked well. Let me go out and get someone who has a good track record to run this organization. You know, whether it's an R.C. Buford, a Sam Presti, uh, you know, there are executives out there who have done very well for themselves and probably would jump at the chance to right the ship in Lakerland. So that, to me, is the biggest issue for the Lakers right now, just the leadership and where they go from here. And you've got the kind of elephant in the room that is LeBron James. And hearing reports last night, I think Stephen A. Smith had it where he said, People were telling him that you know there there is a camp within the Lakers brass of trying to convince Jeannie Buss to move LeBron James. That might be the stupidest thing that they've done during all of this dysfunction. But <laughs> big picture, I mean, if that was even a thought, Ian, how many teams in the league you think would really have a play at LeBron if that was even the case? I mean, obviously the two teams in New York would probably be very interested, but it just seems like there's just such a small window of teams that could actually bring in a LeBron at this point in his career. Right. Yeah. I think it's a team with a, a, a large amount of cap space, like the Knicks or a team that has a, an a exciting young core already established like the Nets or let's say the Clippers. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, is, it is not a long, long list of teams that could pull off a deal where it would make sense for both sides. Um, to make that transaction happen. But my issue there is like, listen, you signed LeBron James. You need to be all in on the LeBron James business. That means bringing in a coach that makes him uh, most effective. That means bringing in players, surrounding him with players, just as we saw in Cleveland, uh, good shooters, veterans, and a secondary and a primary ball hander, secondary ball hander, however you want to term it. That's what worked in Cleveland. You need to replicate that formula, and you don't need to be worried about the public perception that you're bowing to LeBron James because he's on your team. You need to make the most of having him for these next three seasons. The idea that you're making decisions based on this perception that he's running things, it, to me, it's asinine because he's there. You need to operate accordingly, and the Lakers haven't done that. 
This is a Wizards Talk podcast, and we haven't talked about the Wizards, but I got to ask you, what do you think about how long this search has gone on to try to find a GM, and do you have any maybe intel on what exactly ownership is looking for in that position now moving forward? I hadn't heard anything specific with regards to what the ownership is looking for in D.C. Uh, you know, it is a little bit surprising that it's dragged on to this point, but we're still not at the point where you, you start to really question things because I think, you know, once you get into, I guess, after the lottery, but then also into draft workouts, the harder draft workouts later this month, I think that's when you really want somebody in place. We're not there yet. But if you get to that point and you still don't have your new leader in place, I think that's when you start to question uh, the timeline and, and, and wonder why someone has been put in place because that's when you need a leader in there to, to evaluate those players and to evaluate free agency and, and to get everything in order. Um, I thought, just like so many other people around the league, that Tim Connolly uh, would be in place and he'd be the guy, so maybe – that's part of the the holdup here is the idea that he's obviously still busy with the Nuggets right now. But, um, yeah, the, the timeline is a little bit concerning, but I guess give it a few weeks before we start to sound the alarm. Uh, do you have a vote in All-NBA? I do not have a vote. If you had a vote, let me ask you this. If you had a vote, yes. does Bradley Beal make All-NBA in your opinion? I think so. I, I would vote for Bradley based on especially, you know, what he did after John was unavailable. Uh, he was fantastic, really both ends of the floor. To me, he earned it. And then, obviously, that has big implications for um, his contract and, and the Wizards' financials as a whole and and the idea of what do you do f- moving forward with Bradley Beal. So uh, just to answer that question, yes, I think he does deserve the vote, and then that puts Washington potentially in a tough spot. Yeah, I mean, everyone that I've talked to says that that is probably one of the more difficult decisions that the new GM would have to make is is if he makes all NBA, you've got a decision to make because so much money would be tied into your starting backcourt that you really have to hit home runs in the draft maybe in the next two to three years just to put around, you know, really young, good young players at a good, you know, price because of so much money that you would have put into Wall and Beal. Ian, we appreciate your time, man, so much. Thanks for joining us here on the Wizards Talk Podcast. I will talk to you next week in Chicago, and again, first round on me. All sounds good, Chris. Looking forward to it, man. Happy to join you. All right, we appreciate Ian's time as we get you set again for the draft lottery on May 14th in Chicago, Illinois. I'll be in Chicago. Ben will be here uh, in studio bloviating pontificating on bloviating is right is that a good one yeah that's about right (laughs) on where uh the wizards will be drafting but we still don't know who the gm is or president of basketball operations probably at that time so we'll still be trying to forecast on somebody that we don't know what their philosophy is uh in drafting but we do know this if it's one you're you're all in i'm all in it's zion at two is where I've heard varying opinions on if the Wizards are at two, who should they take? I'm of the mindset of best player available and best player available on Chris Miller's mock draft. <laughs> yeah, you should yeah. have a big board. No, I should never do a big board. Why not? Because I, I would get. I, I don't. It'd be like playing bingo. Look, I would never win. I, look, regardless, your big board would like Kobe White won. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Brad Brad Doherty too. <laughs> just go from there. Well, that's fine. No, it would be Kobe White, Nasir Little. 
Oh, this year a little. And then the field. Right. And then all the Duke players go, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but also it's like <laughs> not so too... unfair, but true. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, look, we, we all we, 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 we all have our bias as right. long as we acknowledge them. It's all fun. There you go. Uh, the, uh, not you know, while I'm saying I can't comprehend any scenario where Zion wouldn't go one, when I've asked people about this draft, I'm like, uh, so what's the cutoff? And basically the thing I hear the most is there's Zion, there's John Morant. And then it gets ordinary pretty quick. All I right, think people like. Let's play a game. We're gonna play a game. We're just gonna do by record, not where the lottery is gonna unfold. We're just gonna just go one through fourteen right now, and you tell me of those fourteen teams who doesn't take Zion. You ready? Knicks. Yeah, they definitely are taking Zion Williamson. Cleveland. Yeah, hundred percent. Phoenix. They maybe make a trade, whether it's. The pick or DeAndre Ayton or something because I don't love that combination. They just had the number one pick. I, I, again, from a box office perspective, I don't know how you trade away Zion, but I guess it would all depend on what's the actual trade that you could get for somebody. But I, I I don't see how they don't trade the pick, how they don't take him, but something they're made. There might be a, a bigger deal there. I was told by a Phoenix player, and you know who that Phoenix player is. I just won't say his name. Said John Moran is the player that everyone is talking about on the team. Well, they, they that could really help. Yeah, I mean, them they need in a their point young guard. development of a team. They definitely needing a point guard. He being the best on the board. It makes sense for Phoenix. But you're saying kind of just box office. Robert Sarver's the owner looking at it going, okay, I need to put butts in the seats. It's more than just playing games. It's the business of basketball. We also get a rating spike by bringing this this young man in in Zion. There there are more things outside of just playing the game 94 feet that leads to the yeah. decision taking Zion. Well, and look, if they get the number one pick, whoever is picking two wants Zion Williamson. So if you, if you just flat out want John Morant, fine, but you still trade the pick to get more stuff. And then like the back in the day here, when the, um, the, the Chris, well, not here, but when the Chris Weber got traded and Orlando got three, number one picks from golden state to move down three spots or whatever it was, right. or, or for them to okay. move up three spots that like that, that that's the type of trade I think they would have to do. All right, let's continue with our exercise. Chicago at four. And again, we're saying that just one through 14, not knowing what the lotteries, you know, what, what really will happen. We're just saying before that. Chicago at four. I mean, another team that in some level has a player at that position and Laurie marketing, and they do need a point guard, but they, yeah, Laurie, we'll figure it out, but we're taking Zion. Atlanta at five, and Atlanta has two lottery picks, so we'll start with Atlanta at five. So, they, again, they've got John Collins at that spot, but, you know, John Collins is such an interesting, versatile player. I think he could play with Zion. Yeah, I, I think that could work, and again, uh, you know, they don't need John Morant. They have Trey Young, so for them, it's a no-brainer, but uh, th that would be a, an unbelievable... Like, if they actually got that guy, that's the team that everybody will cite as the team to watch in the next two years. Washington at six. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, New Orleans at seven. Well, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Obviously, right? Anthony Davis is not going to be back most likely, so perfect. If it is New Orleans, do you trade Zion? I mean, do you trade Anthony Davis knowing that you have Zion? Does that make the deal sweeter for David Griffin? Oh, I mean, it, it gives you a lot of flexibility. Now you really can play tough with teams. Fine. You don't want to give me the eight number ones for Anthony Davis? Cool. I got this guy over here. I'm good. Like, we, Anthony Davis can go sit in the corner if he wants. I mean, we're good. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. You but guys... Anthony Davis's game is good enough. Oh, they could play well, together, they could play together. hypothetically. I just don't know. I'm assuming if David Griffin can talk Davis into staying <clears> for real, well, then, that, 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 then that's an insane combination to have those two guys together. That I, that I have no issue. I would have no worries with. And in 
whatever you decide to do with Julius Randle. I mean, they could have a really formidable front court. But I, I would assume Julius will be moving on at that point. Would you take Julius here? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the Wizards have no I forwards like right now. I like Julius Randle. Yeah. Okay, uh, Memphis at eight. <laughs> sure. I mean, the, what do they got right now? Not much. I mean, uh, they did draft uh, yeah, Jared Jackson, Jackson but, you know, with his length, I mean, he could be the get that could be a pretty interesting combo. He can shoot the three, and he's got good size inside. And then we got Atlanta at nine. Okay, same thing. Minnesota at ten. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Wiggins can stick it. I mean, yes, Carl Anthony Towns, again, a guy who can do play all over the court. That's a, 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 a exhilarating combination. Sold. It would make me sick to my stomach if this happens. Lakers at eleven, winning the lottery. Kick, kick, the 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 fixed terms or the or people would re- revisit the. Uh, How soon of, before someone hits up. send on their Twitter say showing like uh, Patrick Ewing or David Stern with the lottery oh, yeah. balls the, in eighty four? Frozen envelope. <laughs> How long would that take before somebody like uses that as a gift? I mean that w- it would be it would and it would be impossible for anybody for for the league to get over that stigma. Like, be like, oh, of course. Of course. Of course. I said that the other day. Somebody was like, yeah, the Lakers get Zion. I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, the, at least the Knicks are at the top. The they whole... earned this. Yes. Yeah, they, I mean, they, as they, bad they... as they played all year, they earned the right to get Zion, right? Uh, let's go Charlotte at 12. I mean, they. I don't even know what – Charlotte is a team that rivals the Wizards for challenges going forward. Even if they keep Kemba Walker, that puts them basically in the same boat to the Wizards and in now a guy who's an all-star level player but is not – the front guy on a title team, and I don't know what else they have. So yes, plus he's Carolina. You know, he's from the state, so absolutely, or, or played in the played state. there. Uh, how about uh, Miami at thirteen? Uh, all of a sudden, Miami gets back to being maybe that Zion alone doesn't put them over the top, put them back in a contention, but it puts uh-huh. them back into oh yeah, everybody wants to go back to play there. Let me say this: um, the sooner the better. They move on from Whiteside. Because I have said since day one, I love Bam Adebayo. I love him. I love his game. Everything about the kid, I love him. He's from North Carolina, whatever. Uh, but I would love to see, see Bam Adebayo and Zion Williamson play together. You talk about athleticism in the front court. Um, very rarely matched by anybody else in the league. Miami would be an intriguing spot. And then, and then Boston. I mean the embarrassment of riches if that if that's if that's the case. The the interesting thing there would be one I assume that would take the I mean it depends how you look at it but they're such a young team I assume it would take them out of the Anthony Davis sweepstakes at that point or, or, or I guess you could go somehow go all I think in. they need to move on from the Anthony Davis dream in Boston. I have always contended Anthony Davis is the cherry coke of the NBA. Do you know the cherry coke formula? I've I've Drew Gooden and I have done this before on podcast yeah. so Cherry Coke tastes good, right? Sure, but it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 definitely not a Davis guy. Look, he soured me for sure this year. Uh, not, I mean, not not because especially the, the 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 ticket item that it would cost to get him, right? I mean, you just well, they have so much stuff that if you decide it's worth it, but like, like if they're gonna lose Kyrie, like who knows? I mean, you know, the, the, they would have to retweak a few things unless I think Terror's ear is. Is ready to go, but uh, yeah, you take Zion it, 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 at least. If nothing else, you you no longer feel compelled. We have to go get Anthony Davis, and like I said, because most of their players, other than Horford, are of a are closer in timeline to Zion than not. Right. They won't have to feel like we have to wait. Like Anthony Davis is sort of like we're ready to go now, which they are. But you know, between Tatum Brown, they are 
poised for a long a long term run. Who do you think has the best haul? Do you think to try to get Zion? Um, I think, is it Boston? Is it the Lakers? I think it's is Boston it, or the you Clippers. Still think it's, oh, the Clippers I don't. Too? I, don't I don't think the Lakers have a prayer. Really? I don't have a prayer. Who? What? Who would you pick at this point? Lonzo, he's he gets hurt all the time, and you got the dad. Uh, Kyle Kuzma's a fine player, but I don't think he's transcendent. Brandon Ingram looked interested, but I mean, I, I didn't even know what his medical situation is. Right. That, that was a kind of a scary thing. And then this pick in a draft that is not that exciting. I don't. I don't think there's much there. I, I, the Clippers have far more interesting stuff, but they got a bunch of picks: Shea Gilgis Alexander, Montrez Harrell. Patrick they got a Beverly. lot of kids on the bench that can really score and can play too. So yeah, they've got a haul. Uh, I want to get you out on this. So the last podcast I talked with Chris Haynes about Bradley Beal and the season in which he had, and he admitted to me, Ben, that he voted for him to make All NBA. He's not the first person that has told me that that has a vote. Mm-hmm. There is a part of me that is thinking there is a strong possibility that this young man is going to make probably third team All NBA, which. By now, everyone is listening to this knows that that would qualify him for a supermax. We've talked about the financial restraints that this team has already, and now adding that potentially to the mix. Put your ownership hat on, Ben. Would you extend that to him? And then, what do you do with him? So, what kind of ownership hat is it like a fancy fedora, or is it a- um? I'm thinking like what Cochise was wearing in Cooley High, that kind of hat, <laughs> or one that you know Jimmy Walker would wear on Good Times. Ooh, dynamite! All right, yeah. um, I'll take. I'll, I'll take. I, 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 I'm still looking for a good hat. I got a big head. Yeah. I can't. I can never find a hat that works. This, this problem. You need one of them ten gallon Texas hats, just walking around <laughs> looking like J.R. Ewing. You know what? <laughs> There's a lot. Of, how many people do you think that's listening to this podcast know who J.R. Ewing is? I oh no, they probably think it's Patrick's cousin or something or something. Uh, yeah, no, nobody. I, I I dropped the West Unsolved reference last night on uh, Twitter because it was men- he was mentioned in the game last night or, uh-huh. or the other night against uh, the the Denver game, and people were meet the response was, "Do you think these millennials know who West Unsolved is?" So yeah, J.R. Ewing, no shot. No shot. Um, look, I don't. I'm not smart enough to know how the money works, but what I do know is they would have you know basically like two thirds of their salary cap tied into two players. And forget the fact that John Wall's hurt, and we don't know what status will be at. Even if the two players were peak LeBron, peak Wade, that that is a lot to be yeah. to be giving to, to two guys. So I don't know how you sustain it, especially in a situation like again, it's one thing maybe in that example I just used, where at least you're contending for a title. In the Wizards' case. I don't think we, you know, if they could, if they could make a playoff run ne- next year to get in, that would be a, probably a real uh, a, a a viewed as a good run. So I don't know how you keep them both. I would though at least probably extend the offer to Bradley Beal, and let's see, because he's been asked now by the media several times if they offer it to you, what do you do? And he said he'd have to think about it. If he's turning that down, he's not staying here beyond two years. You're not turning that down and then saying you're going to stay with this team. Beyond that, maybe you want to see, but like I would be very cautious at that point. His value is so high right now, right? That if that is the case, call me a sucker, and I, I've been called a lot worse than that. I'm not ready to give up on those two yet. I'm just not. I mean, I, 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 I still feel like, and I said this um, to Chris earlier on another podcast, is I feel like the shared experience of leadership 
is something that I think they have both understood the last couple of years dealing with like the injuries, you know, with John and then Brad having to take on that role of, of being the guy. I, I just feel like maturity is going to set in in terms of just understanding how valuable they are to one another. But then there is the business side of it, the financials, which is, well, how many people can we put around you that are good enough to be at your level but making low ticket item in terms of your, your, your finances? But I'm just not ready to give up on it yet. I, I still am. We talked about dream the impossible dream the other day. I'm still dreaming of one day seeing those two having an opportunity to hoist a Larry O'Brien trophy. Call me a sucker, but sure. Well, put put John aside for the moment because of the injury, and we don't know where he'll be at. I, I in a general sense, am of the belief that I'm going to keep Bradley Beal. He's 25. He's coming off at minimum a second All Star season. Huge numbers. I know the Wizards' record was not good. If anybody points to him as the reason, I mean, shame on you for not actually watching and maybe more to the point, not understanding basketball. Because to to watch what he did night in and night out, not just put up stats. The stats are almost the least interesting thing he did to me last, for me last year. The, the consistent effort on both ends of the court, the the the, the unwillingness to accept defeat, meaning that, that this team wasn't going to go, wasn't going to make the playoffs. He was not willing to accept that until the very end. And sometimes that comes across as cute, but in his case, I took it as "screw you all." We're, this is what we're doing, and we as a team are not going to bail. And I, I just was uh, looking up some quotes from the end of the year, and when I asked players what was your biggest takeaway from Bradley Beal this year, it was consistently his leadership, his attitude, his mindset. And if you trade him, then what? Like, what? Not only can you, it's going to be your your next goal is to find a guy who's as good as him, mm-hmm. and then on top of it, not everybody who's as good as him from a talent perspective brings the leadership qualities. I don't want to give up on that. But if the if this max contract situation does happen and not and and he's not willing to take it and maybe even if he is willing you have to decide I we can't have I, I, I agree guys. with you. I feel so like if he says if if he says uh, I need to think about it then yeah that should trigger plan B. Yeah. But but don't don't move on. Don't do plan B before you hear him say that. I mean, like, let, let, let's put it this way. If they get the number one pick, they get Zion Williamson, who's then therefore he's on a rookie contract for the next five years. It, that gives you a potentially your third big three or whatever with on a, an incredibly cheap deal. So maybe it makes it a little bit easier to go with Bradley Beal and John Wall, even at exorbitant salaries. Uh, it's still, though, is a challenge. Is there, are they, what are you playing for? Are you really competing with for a title with that three? I can't sit here and say yes without knowing John's uh, health, but it becomes more interesting. But without getting Zion Williamson, I, I you know that 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 then I don't know what I'm playing for realistically. But it's it, it is an unbelievably tricky spot that only the Wizards would find themselves <laughs> in. They, they they have this great success. What an insane rule with this supermax contract yeah. may put a team that did all the right things effectively drafted two young guys, cultivated them, grow. They turn into all you think what, the everything super, you want. Do you think the supermax thing will go away in the next CBA? I, I, it's got to. I mean, if you want to have it tied to guys who make first team All NBA, that's fine. Like. I, you can be third team All NBA. I mean, and not be one of the fifteen best players. That's true. Other guys got hurt. You could have a great year, and then other things happen. Right. 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 I mean, so and so that, you know, what does that mean? I mean, even if it's not Bradley, but let's say it's Kemba Walker. Does Charlotte giving Kemba Walker a supermax contract for what? He's not. They didn't make the playoffs. But if they let him go, then they have zero. Yeah. So it's a it's just a it's a really rough uh, provision of the CBA. I think they got to fix. Okay, well, 
I'm going to Chicago. I'll see you when I get back. I'll uh... no, I'm going. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you. That's, no, what do I? I, I got steak that. dinner. That's right. We're going to. Uh, I'll probably take you to. Again, I can't give names out to restaurants. They don't give us a plug, but I got a place in Chicago that has tremendous lobster mac and cheese and a good ribeye. Great. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm in. I'm excited. I haven't I haven't been to Chicago for a minute, but I'm glad to go. Not in the winter. And the weather's supposed to be the weather's supposed to be nice. Yeah. So that's good. No, I'm 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 legitimately excited. Do you want to go to a White Sox game while we're there? I've I've oh, been to Wrigley. Right. I've not been to White to the White Sox. You haven't been to New Comiskey Park no. after they cut down all the uh, nosebleed seats in there. Yeah, we should go. They're in town. The Cubs are not. Great. How's, uh, your, how's your baseball chops? If we just start talking baseball, we can get on the. Uh, you know, on I, a racing I, presidents podcast. I grew up crazy baseball fan, Orioles fan. I, I don't know if I could name five guys on that team right now. I don't think Orioles fans could name five yeah. players on that team. I uh, and yeah, and especially like since we came over here to NBC Sports Washington, and I've been focused Wizards Redskins. I, I, I know, I know the Nats bullpen's in trouble. I know Bryce Harper doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. Davey Martinez might be on the hot seat, and beyond that, hey, uh, coach in town on. on the hot seat. How about that? How about huh? that? All right, Ben. Thanks for joining us, folks. Wizards Talk Podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.